0: What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner demoing here with y'all as always. Here to recap what was an exciting week seven. Is that right? Week seven of college lacrosse? Yeah, week seven. Uh, Season flying by. Um, Next week we get underway. Big Ten conference play. Um, I believe, what is the other conference gets underway next week? SOCON gets underway next week. Uh, two weeks, I think we get the ASUN underway. So, you know, things are, you know, we're, we're at the midpoint in the season here. Uh have some good midseason content on the website uh, this week as well. So watch out for that, whatcausebucket.com. But exciting weekend. We got a preview here. Uh, if we got a recap here, um, and look, let's start off with, I think, what was the biggest game coming into the week, and I mean that's that's Maryland, uh, in Virginia, and, and look, the the Topes, they win it, and they win it big. <clears throat> they win it big. A, uh, really, no way to put it um massive victory for the terrapins I mean number one, number two matchup, best game of the season, as many said, coming in, and you win twenty three to twelve. <clears throat> and look I think as we've said all year, um Maryland hasn't shown any like weaknesses and I think you could say um, that was proven right. I, I, if you were one of those people, including myself, that said coming in the season, I I, I don't see where Maryland has a real weakness. I think that was just uh, solidified, uh, validated, if you will, on, here on Saturday. And you know what? Maryland, they had two really tough, Losses to Virginia the last time out. Obviously, 2021 national title game. And then people forget that 2019 quarterfinal matchup. Well, I guess Tope fans don't forget that one. But um, you know more casual fans f- forget about that 2019 matchup. Well, did it or did it not go in? I don't know. Um, should it have gone to overtime? I don't know. You know? um so you had that one as well and look maryland they never trailed in this game they never trailed and if if you were to ask me on on friday coming into this game if you were to ask me an hour before this game is it going to be a 23 to 12 victory in favor of maryland i would have said no i thought this was going to be a much closer game than it was um and look it was close for you know 18 minutes of the game, relatively close uh seven to five lead. <clears throat> and then look, even after that, uh, you had the Wisnowskis uh, score off the Keegan Khan feed that sparks the six to one run to end the first half, put them up 12 to six. that's still a six goal game. And yeah, I know a six goal game isn't necessarily close. But a six-goal game at halftime, that's not a blowout by by any means. And especially when you talk about the two best teams in the country. Um, I, I think Maryland just I mean, they showed exactly why they're number one. They, they showed that. Um, you know, Keegan Khan, four goals, three assists, seven points. I mean, come on. Anthony DeMayo, six points. Logan Nowskis had five. That, that offense clearly showed um, why they are who they are, why they're as good as they are, highly regarded as they are. Alex Zepatillo, I thought, did a fantastic job offense, uh, defensively. Uh, he was on Schellenberger for us today, I believe. And uh, look, <clears throat> Schellenberger and Matt Moore each had two goals, or three goals and two assists in this one. So, you know, the Virginia offense did get going, but. Um, really I mean, this was a story of I mean, not necessarily of two halves, but you know, in, in the second half, Maryland blew things out of the water and, and they get the twenty three to twelve victory. Um, you know, I think that the one area where I thought Virginia probably had an edge if they had one was at the face off dive. Um and Luke Wildman, you know, he played really good. Been really good. York, I think it was a fifty-seven percent outing for PD LaSala in that national title game. Uh Luke Wilderman, you gotta think. Um, from the moment he heard and hey, we're playing we're playing the Cavaliers in and March, you know, you gotta think he'd been prepared for this game. Um, and he goes sixty-four percent, twenty-five for thirty-nine. Without that I mean the 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 Maryland defense played fantastic, as I mentioned, uh, Mc uh with with false saves and cage, but without the success that Wildman had, I mean you could argue this game's a lot closer. It's a lot closer, and it's weird. It, it it never felt like, you know, until maybe like midway through the third. I, you know, obviously Maryland was up and they were rolling um, in the second period, but it never really felt like it was a blowout until kind of that final run there, um, those final two periods where the Terps, they, uh, they put it away, you know, that three-goal run, middle of the third, um, and then once again in the fourth, they, they, they do that again in the game on a five-goal run. Um, They can stack goals, and they can do it better than any other team in the country, and that's why they're number one. That is why they are number one. Another top uh, 10 matchup that we had this weekend, Princeton and Penn. Um, Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. 21-20. Princeton overtime winner. Colton McCasey dishes it back to Chris Brown as a pen defenseman breaks his stick in half and has to run off. Brown has the space, takes a step, puts it past McCarroll. 21 20 victory. Win over the Quakers for the Tigers. And what was an absolute offensive clinic? I mean, this this was an offensive clinic, and look, like, I mean, he had a five goal run from Penn. Penn really got going, offensive. Like Princeton from the get go was kind of rolling, and Penn catches up to him. Like right, sixteen fifteen. It with two eleven left. Um, in the third period, and, and that's the first lead that Penn got of the game. Uh, Princeton started the game on a 3 0 run uh, before they took that 5 2 lead in the first. So, I mean, Penn's offense was going, their defense was going. Uh, it took Penn, I mean, Princeton's offense and defense were going. It took Penn a little bit to kind of catch up to that pace, but uh, they showed they can do it. And look, um, that five goal run that I mentioned from Penn that that run really put them well it gave them the lead, but it really put them in that stratosphere in terms of how Princeton's offense was playing all day. and that run highlighted a period that saw both teams combine for 13 goals. You had 13 goals in the third quarter alone third quarter alone you had 13 goals that is ridiculous and you look at the goalie stats in this one it's it's, it's hilarious it's like under 50 percent for every guy um you know emmett carroll replaced patrick Birkenshaw for the quakers to start the third um man i mean this, this is just an offensive clinic if you're if i've ever seen one um and like 10, they had an opportunity to win at regulation. Eric Peters is there. Eric Peters is there, makes the save uh there with you know Penn they they let things go down. um you know they, they win that ensuing face off after you see Ben Smith ties things up at 20. They win the ensuing face off. Murphy calls the timeout, and um, I mean, they, they, they got a good look. They, they, they got the look they wanted, I, I think. Um, but, you know, Eric Peters comes up clutch and, and, and shows again why he's, I would say, the best goalie in the Ivy League, one of the best goalies in the country. Uh, shows that again in this clutch save that he made there, uh, which ensured over time. Uh, as the goal forced it, he ensured, it were not, no, he, Penn, you are not going to win this in regulation, and uh, they, they didn't, and it's Princeton that wins it in overtime. Um, the, the crazy thing about this game is, so, um, here's he the stats for some of these guys, okay, Chris Brown, nine points, six goals, 30 assists. For Princeton, Sam Hanley for Penn, eleven points, three goals, eight assists. I mean, I I don't mean like where do I even start with this? You have so many guys that put up just gaudy numbers in this contest. I mean, it is ridiculous what these two teams did. Um. And look, as of right now, I, I saw some people saying game of the year, you know, I have to agree, uh pro, yeah, you're talking about what we've seen so far, game of the year. Um also for, for Princeton, Alex Fedaro had five points off three goals and two assists. Um and Cam Rubin for Penn had nine points, seven goals and to assist I mean, this is just this is just insane this is just insane uh what these teams did it 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 is ridiculous um and, and, you know takeaways from this game was obviously both these teams can score both these teams can score um I think I take a bit more away from Penn than I do from Princeton. And I talked last week about how Penn, they've won all these games close. Uh, They go to overtime here. It's a close game, but they don't win this one. Um, But they showed that they can fight with a team of of Princeton's caliber. Uh, So I I, I do think I, I took a bit more away from this game in terms of Penn. I expected Princeton to win it. I expected Princeton to play well. I thought they did play well. Penn, you know, after you had some games, you know, you have to win close against Duke, against Penn State, and against Villanova. Uh, you know, Duke's obviously a good team, but Penn State ha- not having the best of season seasons, Villanova, you know, I think the jury's still out on them uh, for, for, for right now um, as to, and we'll talk about another Big East team here in a minute, as to exactly, you know, wh- where they sit in the Big East. Are, are they better than Denver? Are they... The third best team again, uh, you know, we'll see that. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think those two teams are, I mean, neither of them are top 20 teams. I put, you know, Villanova is much closer to one than Princeton is, but only uh, than uh, Penn State is. Um, but, you know, they have those two close games there. So I think a lot of people looked at that and, like, okay, you know, Penn, what exactly Y'all are they? Um, and look, it, 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 it it appears that the clutch gene may have run out here, uh, but I still took a lot away from this game in terms of how good they can be. One, one aspect of that is at the faceoff dot. Uh, Penn has been terrible at the faceoff dot all year. And today, having to go up against Tyler Sandoval uh, and Jack Henry Vara, who took a couple draws for the Tigers as well. Uh, look, the the duo of Jamie uh, Zuzi and Chris Arcelli, Uh Olsali took the majority of the faceoffs. I think he took the final like five or six. He took ten on the day. What six of ten? That's sixty percent. Uh, Zuzi goes fifteen for thirty. That's fifty percent. Um, so I thought both these guys did good at the faceoff dot, and that that did help Penn. In, in the second half, you know, after getting down, being able in, in the second quarter and then in the second half, especially getting, you know, being able to play, make it, take it, lacrosse um, for a few minutes there. And, you know, that that really, I think, is one thing to take away from this one is that, look, Penn, um, they can indeed win faceoffs and, and they can indeed do it against one of the best. And Sandoval's been pretty good this year. So, that that one just absolutely, you know, mind-boggling as to what these two teams did on Saturday. I mean, 21-20, that, that's, that's just ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. Next game I want to touch on here, and um, this is the one... I paid the most attention to um, on on Saturday afternoon in that noon time slot. Um, Notre Dame and Michigan. The Irish get a much needed twelve to seven win over the Wolverines. Um, look, this one, it it kind of felt like you know. Again, Notre Dame's defense was able to stifle the Michigan offense. This is the second week in a row now that Michigan's offense has been stifled um, like that. They, they, they've they come back late and been unable to, to finish. Um, you know, <clears throat> Michigan was held scoreless for, I mean, it was, you know, a 21 minute, roughly 21 minutes that Michigan doesn't get a goal. Um, and and a, a lot of it has to do with Liam Intamin, 19 saves to anchor that effort. He played fantastic. Um, with, with Michigan, in, in the first, like, five minutes of the game, you could see was kind of trying to adjust. but. They had one goal in like the first uh, one, one shot on a settled possession in like the first five minutes. That That's just not that, that is not gonna cut it. Um, in college, across like you're not gonna win games like that. And look, I, I don't know what's happened to this offense. They Delaware is a good defense and they routed them, but Harvard and from what I saw, you no know, Notre Dame, and I don't think it's a coincidence that a Jerry Bone coached team shuts down Michigan's offense a week ago, and then now a formerly a f- team formerly coached by Jerry Bone, with his fingerprints still all over uh, the way they play defense does the same thing. Um, And look, this is a big win for Michigan. Uh, Okay, for Notre Dame. This is a big win for Notre Dame. They were coming into this game after losing each of the last three contests. And, you know, you come into this one and thought they played well from the opening whistle to the final buzzer. Like, I thought they played very good lacrosse. <clears throat> you know, defensively, we mentioned Entman and what he was able to do. Um, but then look, Pat Cavanaugh was held without a goal for the first time this season and second time in his career. Andrew Darby was matched up on him for most of the game. He played fantastic for this Michigan defense. Andrew Darby did. Really a bright spot uh, for that unit all day. As was Shane Carr, um, where Carr, you know, he ended the game, 17 saves, at 58% uh, save percentage, and then Justin Wheatfield goes 69% at the dot. Um, and, and, and look, Carr, Wheatfield, and Dolby. if you're going to say the three stars for Michigan, it would be those guys. But it's the thing. Uh, Pat Cavanaugh is a great player. So you take away his scoring ability, you take away his ability to dodge and get inside, get get on cage for those highlight reel goals, he's still probably the best passer in College class. And he ends the day with four freaking assists. Four assists. He said, look, you're not going to let me shoot? Okay, I'm going to pass the ball. And Notre Dame's offense did a fantastic job of moving the ball and getting that Michigan defense out of sorts. Um, You know, his brother, Chris Cavanaugh, had three goals and one assist, one of those goals off a was a Cavanaugh, the Cavanaugh connection, uh, there in the fourth quarter. Um, <clears throat> you know, this, uh, I will say outside of the Cavanaughs, I thought this Notre Dame midfield played good. And this is something coming into the game where I thought, okay, like Michigan, the rope unit isn't really that good. Um, it, 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 and, a lot of it is just not being very experienced uh, with a couple of freshmen out there and younger guys playing at the D-mid spot. Um, but look, when they had the opportunity, Wheaton of Boys, Eric Dobson, uh, they took it. Uh, Will Anglic, David Lipka, second-line midfielders, each had one a piece, a piece as well. Uh, Jack Boys and Dobson each had two goals uh, in, in this one. And just... The dodging from the midfield um, and even the off-ball movement from this midfield was was really good today, was really good, and uh, really helped push that Notre Dame offense over the edge uh, because, as I said, Shane Carr played a good game. Shane Call played a really good game in cage, and Notre Dame got a lot of looks on cage, um, and if you don't have Shane Call in this game, this is a lot worse of a score. I mean, they won 12-7. to This is maybe, you know, instead of 12 goals, maybe you have, I don't know, 15 at the least uh, without Shane Collin there, 15, 16, 17 without Shane Collin there. Um, And and so he played fantastic in cage, uh, but the defense out in front of him really, you know, took a licking today uh, with that Notre Dame offense, the way they were able to move without the ball and with the ball. Uh, the way they're able to move the ball uh, in this contest. So uh, a really good win for, for, for Notre Dame. And and this is one, you know, <clears throat> they are going into this weekend. So first of all, Michigan. Um, okay, who are they going to be able to get a bounce back win against? Is it Maryland? Because that's who they play next week. I don't really think so. Um, you know, Notre Dame, they got Virginia this week. Oh, this coming week. They got Virginia, Syracuse, Duke, Marquette, Carolina, and then end with Syracuse and Duke. I mean, that's so you talking about all but one game left is an ACC play. That's gonna be tough. Um, so I mean this Michigan win is big. I think it's a confidence booster for this Notre Dame team. Uh, because I mean they had lost these games in, in various ways, and well, they weren't perfect by any stretch, but uh, they worked a lot better in this one than they had in previous contests. Michigan, they start Big Ten play. We'll see what they do there, um, but they, they got to clean things up offensively. Faceoff dot, they're, they're doing pretty well, right? Uh, with Shane Colin, cage they've got good goalie play, uh, but Joshua Water, he can't be doing what he's doing. Um, he's got to initiate, and I think Paul Colcatello even said it on the broadcast. He said, look, I want Joshua Water to take it to the rack. Like, why aren't they doing that? Um, and, and you just didn't see that. Um, I think they were improved, certainly, um, from the Harvard game where they did, when they did get uh, have success, they were able to move the ball a lot better than they did uh, previously. But in, against the, the Crimson where the ball movement at times was like non-existent and guys trying to go one-on-one and, and you have guys passing the ball to where, you know, the guy had, was not what he was going to be. Um, and so silly mistakes like that, they didn't really have a ton of that. Um, more so it was just. Got to be more aggressive offensively. Um, so you know, we'll see what both these teams do next week. But a big win for for Notre Dame, indeed. Um, a couple other ones here, and, and I've I watched this one um, later last night. I went back and watched it. Army and Lehigh. This is a big win for Lehigh. Uh, they get the eleven to ten victory. Lehigh they open the game with a 4-0 run. Never trailed in this one. Really good game, Mikey Sisselberger. Goes seventeen for twenty-five at the dot. Played fantastic. Uh, Cold Coast four goals there to lead the Lehigh offense. I thought this Lehigh team just played really good. They played a heck of a game. Um, and, and look, as always, uh, you know Army they, they played good as well. You know they they got down four-zero, uh, but but they never like. They eventually tied things back up. Like they never were out of this one, they were never out of it. Um, and look the the Black Knights defense they did help hold the Mountain Hawks scoreless for about fourteen minutes. Uh, of play as they were getting their own goals. Uh, to tie things up late in the half. Um, and the coal coast makes it a one goal Lehigh, uh, lead, at the half, there. Um, and and then, look, you know, Black Knights, they outscore the Mountain Hawks 4-1 in the th- uh, in the third. And then, ultimately, the Mountain Hawks outscore the Black Knights 4-1 to one in the third. And once again, Army is able to find their mojo. Uh, they cut the lead to one, but they were never able to come back. So, like, I, I think these teams, it, it, it was a, a, a goody game. It was a hard-fought, tough game, as you you usually see from these two teams. Um, And and neither team really was ever fully in control. It it felt like that early on with Lehigh. But once Army settled in and and got going, um, and Brendan Nickton, one goal, four assists on the day, Uh, he played good as well. Wyatt Shupo, 10 saves. Really outside the face-off dot, wasn't a ton of disparity. Uh, Teddy Leggett was put on Brennan Nictone. I think he did a really good job on him there. Um, look, that Lehigh team, this is a team that started slow. You had some injuries. Uh, that offense is looking a lot better. Cold Coast is playing fantastic. Um, and you really saw that come to life on Saturday. <clears throat> uh, a couple other Saturday games I want to mention that I have not watched yet. So Cornell and Yale, uh, the Big Red, undefeated 6-0. They took down Yale 13-12 on Saturday. And this was one in which, you know, you're down five to four with about 8.30 remaining in the second. Uh, The Big Red rattled off then eight consecutive goals to get up 12-5 to five early in the fourth. Um, and then, look, Yale, 23-minute scoring drought, but they end it and end the game on a 7-1 run. Uh, Yale, we've seen in the past couple of games kind of have to sprint out late to, to, to secure the victory. We haven't really seen them have to sprint late to tie it and get the victory uh in, in the sense as they did on saturday um but you know they uh they they couldn't do it couldn't do it, and the big red get the win you had chase over eighteen saves in cage Gavin Adler, two cars turnovers scooped up three ground balls, held Matt Brown down to just one goal, and two assist. Uh, Nicholas Ramsey, really good off that 75% for Yale. So I, I still got to go back and watch that one. But um, game of runs, for what it looks like, two big runs kind of define things. Um, and then I did catch the end of this one. Harvard beating Brown. Uh, a really, really good last second play uh, from Kyle Mullen. Gets his 18th save of the day. To seal the deal and secure the Harvard uh, victory in, in in this one, you had, you know, down 12 to 8 with 11 minutes left. Huh, excuse me, keep on yawning today. Um, the Bears find a way to get back in it. Two Devin McLean goals, cap off a three goal, Brown run, uh, make it a one goal contest. McLean comes around the cage, it it gets a really, really high percentage look on the cage uh, for what could have been the game-tying goal, but uh, to take it into overtime. Kyle Mullen is there, stops it, gets his 18th save of the day. Mullen's been playing fantastic. This hardwood defense has been playing very good as well. Hayden Cheek, four goals to lead the way for the Crimson. <laughs> Sacred Hall, two other ones I want to mention here. Sacred Hall, they get a big win, 12 to 11, excuse me, 9 to 8 overtime victories against Hobart. It is the Statesmen's post win over the Pioneers, or the Pioneers' post win over the Statesmen since 2018, I believe. It might be 19, one of those two years. Uh, Sacred Heart starts starts the NEC play 1 0. Um, This is a team that's 3 3. They were 1 7 at this time last year. They've got a young squad there. And and look, Nikki Labarca in cage, 14 saves. I went back and watched this one last night. Uh, Really, really good save for Labarca in that one. 14 saves in cage. And, And honestly, um, the, the 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 Sacred Heart defense I thought played very well, um, and and Hobart owned absolutely. Like, when I mean owned, I mean like they owned it. Um, the possession advantage. Adam Shea, sixteen of twenty one of a dot. He was fantastic. This this Hobart offense had the ball more times than I can count, um, and it, it was a, a really just. It was a weird game because y- you would have thought that Hobart would have this one in the bag with how much possession advantage they got. Um, but look, I'll say this: if Nicky Obong is not in there, Sacred Heart does not win this game, and that is absolutely true. There was a number of looks that were right on, right on the doorstep. Uh, that were surefire goals. There was one um, Hobart goal: Chad Batch. Uh, Really beautiful outside. rip, got called back. I don't, I don't know what that one was. It was a penalty on Sacred Heart, um, and they call back the goal. I, I don't know what that was about, but um, very odd situation there. But um, and that one put them up by, uh jeez, that would put them up by like, because they were up seven to three, uh, at one point, and Sacred Heart comes back in that one their offense getting going late to get the win. Loyola tops Bucknell for their third consecutive win. We talked about Wehi, how they're getting rolling. Uh, we talked about Loyola a bit in that context last week after they win over Duke, and they continue to roll here. Um, look, five goal buys and run, put the Greyhounds down 7-5 at the half, eight to five early in the third. Loyola, um, they find they find their mojo. They score six unanswered, and end the game on an 8-1 run to secure the win. Um, yeah, late game run here for Loyola. I did not watch this one, but uh, Seth Higgins, career high, six points, three goals, three assists. In this one, Bailey Savio does pretty good job at the, fa- at the uh, faceoff dot. Sam Schaefer, 13 saves in Cage. Connor Davis, Dutch Furlong, each had two goals for the Bison. <clears throat> Some other notable Saturday scores Georgetown, 16. Utah, 6. Then you saw in the MAC, uh, Manhattan beat Quinnipiac 9 to 7. 16 save perfor- performance from Brendan Krebs. Kevin Winkoff and Daniel. McKinney combined for 11 points in Binghamton's 18 10 win over Albany. A really big win for Binghamton there. Uh, that's a the team coming this season that, you know, Coach McHugh and he's got things rolling up there. And coming into the season, you saw what they did last year. You saw some of the pieces they brought back. Uh, Matthew Souza, who's been fantastic. And then uh, the goalie's name is escaping me at the moment. But um two really good pieces there. And you know, you saw hey if they can put some things together offensively and, and in front of the goalie, it's gonna be a good team. And they are that. Uh Tucker Dordovic, nine points, six goals, three assists. Syracuse gets the fourteen to nine win over Stony Brook. Um look like Syracuse fans don't don't say we're back, don't say it's fixed, it it's not fixed. This is the same thing we've seen over and over again. Um it's Dordovic and Curry and everybody else and Seabold like come on. Um and it, it's Stony Brook and I, yes I said Stony Brook was been has been playing like a top twenty team. Um and yeah Syracuse so beats them fourteen to nine. Rutgers blows out Hofstra twenty two to ten and then Boston U stays unbeaten sixteen to ten victory. Over Holy Cross. The uh, two. Uh, actually one. Sunday game. That I'll get deep into here. Uh, the only one I watched. Uh, Denver and Ohio State. And, and man look. i say you know we just talked about Loyola. And Lehigh. And how they're kind of you know, getting things rolling here. Uh, Denver. Are they in that same camp? Uh, 14-12. Upset victory. Over the Ohio State Buckeyes, you know they snapped snapped their two game losing streak, um, and then additionally, you, you know this is the first win in Columbus for Denver since two thousand thirteen, when these two programs were members of the e- ECAc. Um, look, Denver they're four and four in this one uh, on the season. Two year losses, are to. Or you have Jacksonville, you have Carolina, and you have Yale. Um, are three of your losses on the season, and then you know your fourth one there is against Duke. So, you know, yes, you're four and four. Should you be a top 20 team with that record? Probably not. Um, and, and like, look, I still wouldn't put them in there, but um. It looks like they're kinda of getting picking things up here. Um and look, Alex Stathicus was really a, a driving force here. He goes one of six in the first quarter, a just dominates that uh, first period. But then boom. Second through third, it's all Stathicus. They put Blanchard in, they put Nassio on him. Um Play against both guys, and it was all staticus. All staticus. Um, they to, to really spearhead that effort. As one heck of a day there, 51% in the final, um, or ends today, 51% at the dot, uh, 14 for 27 overall, 13 of 21 in those final three periods of play. Um, now this is a seventy-six game at half, and, and you saw Ohio, uh, Denver, they had that little run there in the second quarter to kind of get back into things. Uh, Jackson Reed, uh, his 100th career goal, puts the uh, Buckeyes within one, late in the half. Um, and then Denver, look, I mean, they settled in even more in the second half and they cooked they, they cooked um I mean, this was a big win for denver i thought ball movement was absolutely key in this one um and you look that's, a, that's a, they 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 win the second half 7 to 5 and 7 six, uh, 8 to 5 they win the second half they have seven goals in the third period alone this offense again spearheaded by Stachticus and the and that faceoff unit. And then also by what this defense was able to do. Jack Thompson, eleven saves. And then Denver caused eight of the Buckeyes, twelve turnovers on the day, won the ground ball battle twenty four to nineteen. Uh they won it in areas where it matters. And they were able to capitalize. They were able to capitalize. You saw earlier on this season, and even against Yale. Uh, this offense looked at times like, man, what what are y'all doing? Um, and, and Denver, to their credit, w- was able to figure things out today. Uh, I mentioned ball movement, was was spectacular. And every single goal, almost, I think all but three of the goals uh, were assisted. And the way they moved the ball, the way they were able to get that Ohio State defense out of sorts um, was was fantastic. And then, you know, Richie Connell, I'll say this, led the way there offensively, the Richmond transfer. Uh, three goals on the season coming into this one. Hadn't found the back of the net in two weeks, but comes to play four goals in this one. To lead the way, Jack Hanna, three goals, one assist. Uh, those two guys really got hot when it mattered uh, the most. Uh, Connell getting two in the two back to back late in the second quarter to cap off that three goal run that knotted things up at six, and then he got his second two in the third period uh, where the Pioneers outscored the Buckeyes seven to four, um, and each of those you know big ones as well, uh so a big one here for the for the uh the Pioneers as they take down the Buckeyes. Um and, and look Joey mentioned Jack Miles held to one goal and one assist again on the day. Um Denver's defense plays a heck of a game. Play a heck of a game. Jackson Reed, three goals, one assist. Colby Smith, three goals uh for the Buckeyes, Caden Johnson, eight saves. Denver. Huge, huge victory for this team. They got Towson next week, and then they've got Georgetown to open up Big East play. Not going to be an easy one. Um, I mentioned earlier, I think Delaware uh, Johns Hopkins is going on right now. So won't talk about that one, but um, North Carolina topped high point in this one, uh, 14 to 12. Headliner from here is, you know, Chris Gray. Uh, He's now fourth all time in career points with 364, uh, surpassing, he's now tied with Connor Fields for that record, Um, had four goals in the win to move up the record books. Also, Ashley Nolting, one goal, one assist in this one. Uh, but still sees his name move up the charts as he passes Mikey Powell for 14th all-time in career points with 308. So day for the record books there, uh, North Carolina, huge run in the second half as, um, you know, it's knotted up at six. But in the third quarter, you know, after after getting back down 9-8, Heels rattle off a six-goal run, and uh, that that essentially does it. Uh, the final two of which came from Gray uh, p- pulls them out to a 14-9 lead with 6.22 remaining. That's the largest lead of the game. Uh, high Point just unable to come back in this one. Nikki Solomon, three assists on the day. Zach Tucci, 57% at the faceoff. Top. Colin Creed, 15 saves. Green, Parker Green with 12 saves for a high point. Richmond, 6-1 run in the second half to get past UMBC, 14-9. And then Christian Watts, a four-goal effort to lead Siena past Canisius, 9-8. And let's see if we can get if there is a final or not here with that Johns Hopkins game. So at the moment, latest update 12 to 10 with 2.07 left. Delaware leading Hopkins in that one. Hopkins obviously uh, coming off that loss on Friday against Navy. Max Hewitt, Patrick Skowniak. Really big day for those two guys uh, in that one. Navy first win at Hopkins, at Homewood Field, I should say, against Hopkins. Since 1969, that kicked off the weekend. It was a great one. That is all for today's episode. As always, thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back on Tuesday to uh, recap a little bit more. Um, as I said, stay tuned, to it with CrossBucket.com. I'm going to have some really good content coming out this week. Uh, both college class-wise and uh, high school-slash-recruiting-wise. And then, as always, the podcast on Tuesday will preview what will be an interesting Tuesday night. Ohio State, Dartmouth, Harvard, and Boston U. Highlight the three-game slate. Fairfield, St. John's, the other Tuesday game there as well. So an exciting Tuesday of Wacross coming up in just a few days. We'll preview that and take a little bit of a look back at some other things from this weekend on Tuesday show. Again, thank you all for tuning in. Catch us at Wacross Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, WacrossBucket.com, where it's always Wacross season.